0: Welcome to the Lions Podcast. I am Matt Brown. Joined, as always, by my main man, Stephen Andrus. We are continuing to roll through our NFL previews here. And today, Stephen, let's touch on the NFC North, guys. If you haven't already, do appreciate it. Just hit the pause button before we get going. Go down. Hit the little five-star review. We do appreciate that. And uh, you can come right back up here and hit the play button. And we'll talk some NFC North. Lions, Vikings, Bears, and Packers. And that is the order In which the betting odds sit right now, Lions plus 130, Vikings plus 250, Bears four to one, and Packers five to one. Now, Steven, we know what's going on here, which is the big news that Aaron Rodgers is out of town. So the Packers fall from what would have been probably the favorite again, even with the Lions being better from a player personnel standpoint. The Packers fall to dead last in the division at five to one. The Bears who do look like they should be trending upward at least a little bit. They did have a ton of cap space. They signed a bunch of free agents. They did a trade, et cetera, to bring in some talent. So the Bears sitting at 4-1. to one. Vikings, a very weird team. I mean, listen, it is a team last year that was on the right side of variance. Eventually, that variance didn't hold up. They're sitting 2.5-1 in the Lions at plus one th- Thirty in the division I do want to start here just at the bottom right with the Packers and you take a look from a talent perspective listen Jordan I, I, how are you going about looking at Jordan Love because I am basically looking at him as a rookie and I understand you do learn stuff being on the sideline and I do understand he has had limited action in the NFL but We don't really have any real body of work with this guy. And unless we want to just give a ton of stock into standing on the sideline and watching the game, I'm kind of treating him like a high-end rookie, right? Like, like not like a, not like a lower level rookie, but like a super, super high-end rookie, because I do think what maybe he doesn't have from a talent perspective, from a, from what a typical rookie, you know, let's call it a Bryce Young or whoever, you know, one of these super talented rookies he probably does have at least a little bit of advantage of of being on the sideline and just being in the system for a few years.
1: Yeah. I think that's a fair projection, you know, more in the middle of his range of outcomes of a a range that's maybe the biggest of any quarterback going into the season. Because for me, I have no idea how to project Jordan love. And I think anybody that has a strong opinion on that is kind of off base here because I mean, how are we supposed to know what Jordan love is going to be going into the season? Uh, There's just really no good way to know. So for me, when looking at the Packers, they're the long shot in this division. So if you are a little bit more bullish on Jordan Love, then you're getting pretty good prices for Mm -hmm. it. If you're lower on Jordan Love, then you're really not getting great prices for it because it's already baked into the number here. So um, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I'm trying to find ways to believe in this Packers team with what's around Jordan love. Because if I can, then the numbers we're being
0: offered here are pretty darn juicy, Matt. So I, we picked this division guys, by the way, just because look, there are still a couple of independent on when you're getting this podcast or this video, and it might be closer to the season. This is a division that seems at least pretty stable in our, in our eyes. There's still a couple of big name free agents that are floating out there. None of these teams are really in the running for those guys. We know all the starting quarterbacks. We kind of know what, what things are. So that's why we wanted to go ahead and do this division a little bit earlier. If you look, he's not devoid of talent. And the reason I, I I say that, like, if the Packers were to win this division, it would not shock me really at all. Because, look, we see big leaps for guys in year two when it comes to the wide receiver position. Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, like, they should be better as we look at this, now they go out, they get Jaden Reed, who's going to play slot. And so he's not going to be asked to do a ton, ton, but he is a good third option for them. You still have Aaron Jones, who we know is a highly productive running back in this league. And you have two good offensive linemen, one pretty good offensive lineman. So three out of five, ain't bad for him as well. I, I kind of look at the, at least from an offensive side of things and say, listen, if Watson and, and Dobbs take that. Next step, which again, we typically do see in year two for these receivers, and I assume that they will, it wouldn't surprise me if they have some success. I mean, unless unless Jordan Love sucks, which, you know, we'll find out in the first six games of the year, probably whether he sucks or not. But I mean, so long as he doesn't suck, it wouldn't surprise me if they have a decent season.
1: Yeah, PFF gives the roster a, a grade
0: of 27th out of 32 this
1: year. I, I think I think a lot of that like, has to
0: do with the defensive side of the ball. De- de- defensive side has some holes for sure. Like, yeah. Like, definitely uh, has some holes.
1: Well, I think just overall, too, I think that's um, a little bit too negative on this roster, to be honest with you. You know, Jordan Love still is going to have, if healthy, a top five offensive line in front of him that graded out top five in both pass block win rate and run block win rate. The skill positions around him are admittedly very young. You have a second-year guy in Christian Watson who, when healthy, did show some explosive ability. They spent a second-round pick on Jaden Reed, who all the off season reports have been positive, but good luck finding a negative off season report on really anybody in the NFL. Yes. For this what is rainbow
0: what, and unicorn time the right really now is. because all of the beat writers don't want to get banned from practice and don't want to whatever. <laughs> so it's like everyone is in the best shape of their life. Everyone looks faster. Everyone looks stronger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we're not getting real, real good stuff right now.
1: It looks like he's projected to be their starting slot receiver with Romeo Dobbs on the outside or vice versa. Maybe they move him a little bit. Um, he was a second round pick for what it's worth. Lance Zerline had him as like a fourth or fifth round grade. Uh, so you can decide who you want to believe there. Uh, so it's, it's some unknowns, not just with Jordan Love, but with the wide receiving core, but the run game should be really strong with Aaron Jones, also his pass catching ability. And then AJ Dillon, the hammer coming in there as well with this great offensive line. So I think they can be run heavy and move the ball and, and not, and, and not expect so much from Jordan love for this offense to be successful. So um, defensively,
0: I agree. That's with you. the question mark to me. That, yeah. that to me is the question mark because you look at, like at the corner position, for example, right? Like you've got Jair Alexander, who's awesome, but then on the other side, you have Eric Stokes, who's terrible. And like, yeah. you've got at the linebacker position, right? Like you've got Devondre Campbell, who is really good, but then the other linebackers, Coy Walker, and he's not. And then at the safety position, it's like, you look, and it's like, you got one guy, like Rudy Ford is good, you know? But the other problem is, is that Darnell Savage is on the, the bad side of his career? And he's not, he's not good. So it's just like, it's like every position has like one good guy. And then one like very weak guy. And unfortunately, you know, from a, from a corner perspective, they can just avoid throwing at Jair Alexander, right? I mean, like they can just avoid throwing at him and just keep throwing at all these other guys and, and teams will probably have success doing that. Um, You look at Rashawn Gary, who is very good at a pat from a pass rushing standpoint, but they don't really have a lot of other guys who grade out very well from a pass rushing standpoint. So listen, I, I think the success of this team, I'm less worried. Weirdly enough, even though Jordan loves a quarterback, I'm like, less worried about them on the offensive side of the ball and more worried about them on the defensive side of the ball and wonder if that is going to actually be the test as to whether this team can, you know, be above 500 in this, you know, in in the 2023 season or not.
1: So this division catches a break schedule wise because they get to play the weak NFC South as one of their cross Mm -hmm. divisions, but they do have to face the AFC West. And then for the Packers, their three crossover games are against the Rams the Steelers, and the Giants, all winnable games in my mind. Overall, if you look at the schedule, they only have one game where they're projected to be a favorite by three or more points, and that's against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're projected to be three or more point underdogs in four games, so we can say projected to lose those games. But 12 of their games right now have spreads of less than three points, like truly toss-up games. And More notably, to start the season, they have five toss-up games at Chicago, at Atlanta, versus New Orleans, versus Detroit at home, and then at Las Vegas. What if they run
0: on the right side of variance, right?
1: Exactly. If they start 4-1 and in those five toss-up games, then their rating is going to change tremendously. And now maybe we're talking about some of those toss-up games being in the likely win column, or you know, one of the ta- one of the games they're projected lose is three points on the road at Pittsburgh. Wouldn't surprise me if a month into the season, if the Packers are now being sure. projected higher in the market than the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, all that to say, Matt, my conclusion about this team is, I think the division's wide open. I think five to one on the Packers to win the NFC North is potentially worth the sprinkle, and maybe even combining that with some other odds we have in this division. We'll get to in a, in a yep. little bit here. And then their win total of, let's see here, seven and a half, still plus money available at one shop on the over. If you kind of like arbitrarily pull like sports talk radio here, put it together, three and three in the in the division, win three of the four games against the weak NFC South, and then pick off two wins against the Broncos, Raiders, Steelers, Rams, and Giants, and you have over that seven and a half win total. So yep. again, a lot of confidence and some unknowns on this offense, but if you trust this coaching
0: staff, at least offensively, I think a lot.
1: There's some ways to get here.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, strength of schedule wise, they're you know 14th best. So it's not like it's a extremely hard schedule. It's not extremely easy. It's kind of middle of the pack. But you know, that's that's way better than some of these other teams that we've been you know kind of looking into and digging into here. So yeah, I'm with you. Look, if if this hopefully this doesn't spoil the podcast, but I mean, if someone. Feet to the fire was like, you have to bet one of these teams at the odds. Not necessarily what you think is going to happen in the division, but it's like, you have to bet one of these teams at the odds that are provided. I'd probably just take the longest shot. Like if it had been, if it wasn't the Packers, if it was the Bears, or if it was the Vikings, like whatever team was the longest shot would probably be the team that I would bet. Because I, like you think that this division is very, very wide open and can go a bunch of different ways here. And so uh, the Packers at five to one are certainly at least intriguing for me. Now, the Bears are a team that have gotten a lot of steam here in the offseason. I think rightfully so, right? I mean, listen, they had a ton of cap space. They went out. They spent a lot of it. They make the trade to get some playmakers in there as well for Justin Fields this past season. And, you know, Steven, you and I talked about this on the podcast last year, but it's good. It's worth refreshing people's memory here. Yes, the offense got better as the course of the season went along but it was mainly due to the fact that they called more plays that were Justin Fields friendly and not necessarily that he was throwing the ball that much better. He is right. a dynamic runner. And as a runner with a ball in his hands, he is going to make plays this year and he is going to do some stuff that makes your jaw drop. But from a pure passing standpoint, we did not really see a big leap over the course of the season. The offensive production just came from the play calling being more suited to Justin Field somewhere along the way. Now on the offensive side of the ball, he now has DJ Moore and he did not have a receiver last year. So I will say that a lot can be said to the fact that, you know, maybe he struggled last year because he didn't have anyone that was a true number 1. Now you have DJ Moore, can Chase Claypool figure out this offense and figure out hit live up to his potential? We don't really know, but he's going to be on the outside as well. And what that does is allow them to put Darnell Mooney in the slot where he is better suited. And that gives them a really decent slot option as well. So, you know, at least from a, from a playmaker standpoint, he does have a true number one. Now they can move Mooney into the slot full time where he needs to be. And the offensive line is actually pretty damn stout. And so there's a lot of reasons why, at least from an offensive perspective, if you're a Bears fan, that you could be fairly optimistic heading into the season.
1: Yeah, I, I just want to note, though, that the market is already fairly optimistic about the Bears. This mm-hmm. team picked number one overall in the draft before they traded that pick with only three wins last year. And now to get to their over in the win total, they have to be five wins better than they were a year ago with a win total of seven and a half right now. So that's the starting point. Can we get there with the improvements that they've made? You mentioned Justin Fields in the passing offense. That, to me, is a potential big red flag going into this season and a big leap of faith that you i think need to have and is required for them to be five wins better than a year ago because if you look you know the average fan's gonna say all fields was sacked 55 times tied with russell wilson for the most in the nfl a year ago the offensive line must have been terrible that's not on justin fields well no it, it was on fields because they the offensive line was number six in pass block win rate so a lot of those sacks were on fields, and Rich Rebar found through his research that points per drive more than double without a sack on the drive each of the last five years. And teams are three to four times more likely to score a touchdown on a drive where they don't have a sack versus one where they did have a sack. So it's not just turnovers that kill drives. It's sacks too, and Justin Fields needs to do a much better job of that this year. Maybe DJ Moore helps out in the quick passing game and getting open with his route running. We'll see. But that's quite a big leap for the offense to, to be a better passing offense instead of some of the like gimmicky Cam Newton type rushing offense we saw from Fields last year.
0: Now, one of the things we can say that is in their favor as well, they have the sixth easiest schedule in all of the NFL as we head into the season. Now, again, guys, these are based off of projected win totals. Now, this could drastically change. Teams could be way better. Teams could be way worse. Maybe the Bears end up with the easiest schedule in in the entire NFL. Uh, It doesn't always have to go the opposite direction for them, but they do have, as we enter the season, the sixth easiest schedule, so that should help them along the way as well. Kind of like the Packers, if we're trying to poke holes in this team, it might be on the defensive side of the ball. While they do have some really big-time playmakers on the defensive side, they have some guys that have really, really struggled as well. I mean, we are talking about If you look like Justin Jones on the defensive line rated 111th out of 127 qualifying interior defensive linemen last year, Travis Gibson on the outside ranked 111 out of 119 qualified edge rushers last year. If you look at the corner position, Kyler Gordon, a guy that ranked 109 out of 118 qualified corners last year. So there are some big time weak spots that guys are going to have to really step up in order for this defense not to get picked on. And listen, while I think the offense has a, has the potential to be better, Stephen, I don't know if they're going to be able to outscore everybody, right? Like, I think they'll be able to put some points up. But if this defense is one of those defenses that basically is a sieve, I don't know how successful this offense is going to be if you have to solely rely on Justin Fields passing the ball because you're coming from behind in every one of these games.
1: I can't say the Bears didn't upgrade the defense from a year ago,
0: but we're also starting
1: with, a point where they were dead last in EPA per play and success rate and outside the top 25 and stopping the run. So are these upgrades to league average or are they just, you know, still below average upgrades for them? Because they, they signed TJ Edwards at linebacker who had a PFF grade of 81, very strong Mm -hmm. Signed Tremaine Edmonds at linebacker. Again, a PFF grade of 81. They signed Demarcus Walker, edge rusher who had, only four fewer QB hits than the entire bears defense last year (laughs) with a PFF grade of 73. And they signed Andrew Billings to kind of help stop the run a little bit again, above average PFF grade. And then Rasheem green, another defensive lineman with a PFF grade of 62 decent for a rotational player, but they didn't upgrade the cornerbacks in, in my mind. And they didn't have a single top 55 ranked quarterback in terms of coverage grade a year ago. So they are really relying on that front seven to bail out what is still one of the league-worst secondaries back there, Matt.
0: Yeah, it's th- that's why I was saying if you're a Bears fan, just be a little bit patient. You're probably still a year away. Like The offense, as long as it works out, seems to be on a good um, – and the defense is on its way up. But yeah, like you meant, they're going to need to get a couple of corners and they just didn't, they didn't have infinite money. Right. And so it was like, they spent a bunch of good money. They did bring in a bunch yeah. of good players, but they're still a year away in my opinion of getting that defense where it actually needs to be. And I think they'll do it. Right. I mean, from what I've seen so far, they've done, they built this kind of the right way. They went out and spent money on the best players that were available. And I think it could be fairly attractive to one of these teams to go in and, and play for the bears when you have a good young quarterback and, and things like that. But, um, at four to one, Steven, listen, I'd rather just take the five to one on the Packers. Uh, if I'm talking about the division standpoint of all of this, as we talked about, like, while I think eight wins is certainly within the range of outcomes for them, we are talking about still sub 500. Um, I, I'm not jumping up and down. I'm not running to bet the seven. I think it's pretty appropriate when I look over the schedule. I get to about seven, eight wins for them. Um, so when I do that, not really, not really bettable for me. So I'll just, uh, I'll sit back and watch what I think will be at least a fairly interesting team in the Bears. I think they're going to be a team that nobody really wants to play. Like, they're not going to be frightened of the Bears, but I think there's going to be just enough where, like, you see the Bears come up on the schedule and it's not just an automatic win for you.
1: They feel like this year's giants to me. The team that, mm-hmm. you know, did a big makeover on a bad roster with bad coaching, and, and maybe they get better. Albeit, this is a second year coaching staff, but they started with a, a roster completely devoid of talent that was trying to lose last year and mission accomplished. They did that. Uh, for me, I'm pretty close to betting they're under on the win total here. I think five more wins from last year, even with those defensive upgrades, is still. I think this is priced closer to their ceiling than it is kind of their middle range of outcomes here, in my, just my own one man's opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the schedule, again, the lines are out for the entire year. You can look at it. Obviously, those will change a lot. But to give you an idea of, of the market rating on this team and their schedule, they already have five games where they're projected to lose, games where they're three-plus-point underdogs. They only have one game against the Cardinals they're projected to win. And then you have 11 toss-up games are they going to win enough of those toss-up games? Are they going to win seven of those 11 toss-up games if they're going to lose the projected games they're they're not supposed to win Mm -hmm. to get you to eight wins on the over-under? That's asking a lot for me. So maybe they get some good variance, but Mm -hmm. um, if I can get plus money on the under, because we're still looking at laying juice on the over right now, that's how how much uh, I think... I'll double check that real quick, but I'm pretty sure either way, I, I, I don't see eight wins as anywhere near the middle range of outcomes here. I'd rather bet the under
0: you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place. Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust.
1: to make you a better sports better.
0: Two two 4700 in colorado nevada and virginia one 800 270 for confidential help in michigan 1-800-GAMBLER in new jersey pennsylvania and west virginia and 1-800-BETS-OFF in iowa and tennessee call or text the red line at 800-889-9789 if you or someone you know has a gambling problem wants help call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in indiana promotional offer not available in nevada Minnesota Vikings, a team that you and I bet a lot last year um, and were able to make some money on plus 250 to win the division right now. Now, unlike the first two teams that we talked about on the pod, this Vikings team actually has the eighth toughest schedule in the NFL as we head into the season. So they are actually on the bad end of the scheduling type of things. And now if you want to say that they uh, it was an addition by subtraction. We do know that Adam Thielen is out of town, but they did draft Jordan Addison. So Mm -hmm. now you have a guy that is at least younger, more dynamic, and certainly bigger playmaker opposite Justin Jefferson, which should, in theory, up his potential to see fewer double teams and uh, less attention from the defenses. Or on the flip side of that, if for whatever reason, Jefferson continues to get all the attention then Addison might have a one a really really good rookie season, right? I mean, Addison could be one of the rookies that we end up talking about from a, at least a crushing his yardage total type deal and all, all all of that when it comes down to it. Now, we know Dalvin Cook is out of town here, but listen, Alexander Madison is starter level running back anyway, would be starter for 20 probably 20 other teams in the NFL as it is. So, I'm not really looking at that as any sort of downgrade at all on the offensive side of the ball. And they've got two good tackles. I mean, yeah, Kirk Cousins can't run out of sight in three days, but, like, they got two good tackles, and so he should have protection in there as well. Um, Look, man, I I don't think that the offense... I I get it. Everyone likes to rag on Kirk Cousins, and, and he brings some of that stuff on himself and whatever, but I think this could be a fairly productive offense yet again. I really do. I mean, like... You got Hawkinson at the tight end position. We know as a playmaker, now you can move KJ Osborne into the slide. I think it's interesting, right? I think it's at least interesting.
1: T.J. Hawkinson might be the first player prop I bet this year. He had more than 900 Mm -hmm. yards a year ago. They lose Thielen, replace him with a rookie. I think he's probably the second option in this passing offense Mm -hmm. with Kirk Cousins going so much to Justin Jefferson. So more than 900 yards last year, and we're looking at an over/under of 750 and a half, right? As the best available number. That's interesting to me. But getting back to the team side of things here, with the Vikings, again, just a fascinating situation, right? Because the market hates them again. and I think we would both agree that there's probably at least a little bit of, of negative regression coming just by looking yes. at the schedule. They went from crossover games of the Saints, Arizona, and Indianapolis last year. Now they win the division. They're going to have crossover games of Philadelphia, Cincinnati, and San Francisco. Like, congrats for, on winning for the reference,
0: division. Yeah, for, for reference, their win total is basically 500. It's set at 8.5. So yeah. like, just after winning we say, 13
1: yeah, games yeah, last year. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's my question, Matt, because – You know, having an argument week to week about their spread is very different than having an argument about their futures. And Mm -hmm. even if you believe negative regression is coming for the Vikings to bet they're under on their win total, you have to believe that they're going to be five wins worse this year. That's a lot. That's a lot of coin flips not going your way. And if you look at the schedule, it is very coin flippy again. I will admit that because the market's down on them. They only have two games are projected to win or where their spread right now is three points or more against Tampa Bay week one at home and a game later in the season at home against Chicago. Beyond that, they have 12 games where the spread's currently going to be less than three points. So again, how many coin flips are the Vikings going to win this time around? Um... It, I five think wins less way, is a lot,
0: Matt. I, I, I agree. I think the interesting way to do this, and like, listen, this doesn't always play out this way, guys. And so, oh, it's almost as if we're gambling, right? Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, if you look at their schedule, look, two, three, four, like, so their schedule starts out Bucks should be a win, but then it goes Eagles, Chargers, Panthers, Chiefs. So they could easily start the season out two and three, and you're going to get a better number at that point on their win total. And I think that's where I'm going to target. I actually have already put this in my calendar to check where they are in week six. And so I've already kind of planned this out because I think there's a pretty decent chance that they start two and three. And if that's the case, then we're going to get a much better number. And then the schedule lightens up a ton. Then it's bears, Packers, Falcons, saints, Broncos, bears, again, Raiders, So there's a bunch of winnable games there in the middle part of the schedule where the, where it is super, super front loaded on the tough end. So for me, from a Vikings perspective, like I said, I've already put it in my calendar to check what their record is after week five. And if they are two and three, and if that win total is dipped to like six and a half or maybe even six flat or something, I think that would be the point where I would be looking to come in and kind of play this team at that point. Yeah, I'm gonna
1: make a similar note to check their division futures at that point too, because I'm I am gonna bet Packers five to one before the season starts to win this division. And right now, I know you're in Vegas, you can't always get the same odds as, as me at the regulated books around the country that are online. But I'm seeing a, a plus three thirty on the Vikings to to repeat as division champions here. And if they start the way you do. With the way you think, I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. four to one, maybe, maybe we see another five to one and then I'm, then I have two tickets on half the division Mm -hmm. at four to five to one where I'm going to be happy if either of them wins. So, I mean, just looking at the roster here, PFF has it great as the 16th best roster makes sense. I mean, a lot of us in the betting world thought this was an, an average roster, a mediocre team last year that, that ran on the, on the good side of coin flips. Uh, offensively, 15th and 8th in EPA and success rate overall. Uh, Cousins slightly above average in expected completion percentage and completion percentage over expected. So the scheme was slightly above average, and his execution of it was slightly above average. So, I mean, they are what they are, right? Like, this is what we think they are, and are they going to win these close games that that are very tight games? That's the question.
0: Now we move on to the Detroit Lions, the favorite to win this division. And Steven, the big question in all of this is going to be, are we overhyping this team too much? Were they fun to watch last year? Absolutely. And listen, I don't think we can understate how much of a, how much of a bigger deal it is that they are going to have to spend the first six games without Jamison Williams. Like I really did love the potential for this team when Jamison Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown were going to be on the field for an entire season together. Now, now him having to miss the first six games of the year, I do think is a thing, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. now the defenses can really and truly focus on trying to eliminate Amon Ross St. Brown, and then if that's the 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 way this is going to go, now Josh Reynolds has to step up and be your your kind of you know playmaking wide receiver, and I just don't know if that's going to be. Enough for this team. I mean, I, listen, I, I look at it this way. Do I think they're going to be good? Yes. I'm not saying that the Lions are going to be bad. Do I think that maybe we are getting caught up a little bit in the hype train? I do believe that for sure. This defense is still suspect at best. And I I mean, at best, this defense is still suspect. And I'm just not sure that that Jared Goff is going to be able to easily repeat what he did last year with, with Jameson Williams on the sideline and teams knowing now because Amon Ross St. Brown snuck up on everybody. Let's not let, let's not sit like no one is going to sit here and try and convince me that they were like Amon Ross St. Brown's going to be a top five receiver in the NFL in 2022. Your ass is lying. You didn't think that, I promise you. Like he snuck up on everyone. He ain't sneaking up on nobody this year, Stephen. And so, I do wonder how easily they're going to be able to move the ball. And the defense, again, I think is going to give up some points. And so I don't know. I think maybe we've taken a little bit too much love to this Lions team.
1: Let's keep in mind, this is a team last year for most of the year were dogs that were we were debating whether or not they were going to cover the number as a dog and weren't even needing to consider if they would win the game or not. And now they have six games right now on the schedule where they don't just need to win. They need to win by margin. And some of those they need to win by a touchdown or more. So this is a huge reversal from where we were a year ago on market rating for this Mm -hmm. team. If we look at the schedule, they still have 10 toss-up games, only one game they're projected to lose right now. And that's the opener against Kansas City where they're a a six-and-a-half-point dog. Mm -hmm.
0: 11th easiest again, as, as we enter uh, again on projections, 11th easiest number sitting at nine and a half right now.
1: Right. And, and if we if I agree with you that they're probably priced closer to their ceiling right now, and perhaps there's a buy low opportunity after week two, if we think they're going to lose the Kansas City and then they have a home game against Seattle, which I think is, you know, even if you're bearish on Seattle, I don't think you're going to say they're they're much worse than Detroit. I think Seattle can definitely win that game in week two in Detroit uh, with all the weapons that they have as well. So, I mean, Jared Goff's not some world beater. They do have continuity on offense with their OC Ben Johnson coming back, but uh, it was, it was all scheme last year. I mean, Jared Goff was number one in expected completion percentage from week 10 on last year among all quarterbacks, but that's, that's what's expected. That's the scheme and what's supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. That overcame a slight negative completion Uh, completion percentage overexpected by Goff. Um, And he was also dead last in air yards. So Ben Johnson did not trust him to get chunk plays down the field. So the scheme here gets credit, not Jared Goff. Can they repeat that again, to your point, without Jamison Williams for six weeks? Marvin Jones comes back. Maybe he's the solution, but he's getting up there in age. Khalif Raymond had a couple decent games at the end of the year last year. Um, we saw the ceiling. They blew out Jacksonville last year. They almost beat Buffalo. So the ceiling is there. But I I agree with you that the defense to me is still a question. They had a couple of rookies have 17 and a half sacks last year, but this was still the number 31 defense in pass rush win rate. So it wasn't consistent. They did fire their DB coach halfway through the year last year. So they went from 31st and 29th in dropback EPA and success rate allowed to 18th and 21st from week 10 on so that allowed them to stay in games and they did overhaul the cornerbacks they brought in three guys from pittsburgh philadelphia and san francisco cam sutton cj gardner johnson and emmanuel mosley so on paper they are better but does that mean they're going to be an above average defense now and take the next step i think that question is still very much out there with the prices we are having to swallow right now i bet them before the season starts. I'd rather wait to see if they get off to a slow start against two very tough opponents to start the year, and then yep. reevaluate things. That,
0: yeah, they are they are my week three team, and so I have the I expect them to lose to the Chiefs and to the Seahawks, and so I have them starting zero two, and then they go on a very nice four game stretch where you go Falcons, Packers, Panthers, and Bucks. So like that is a as soft a four week as you were going to get coming off of an O and two to start the year. Again, if they don't start O and two, then all my strategy is out the window. But again, you know, I'm trying to get the best of this. I'm trying to do what I can to manipulate the market a little bit. And so that's kind of how I'm going about it. So again, you look here, Falcons, Packers, Panthers, Bucks in three, four, five, six. Yeah, now really those are all go-
1: portion of the schedule,
0: really soft portion of the schedule. You do have to come back with a game against the Raiders, but then you get the uh, with the Ravens, but then you get the Raiders right there in Week Eight, and so we are talking about a stretch in which they could win five of six. And if that is the case, now we're feeling pretty good about whatever adjusted number we've gotten after the zero and two start. That nine and a half might have turned into eight and a half, and if that eight and a half, if we're winning five of six, we're feeling pretty good. About that afterwards. And so, yes, I'm with you, man. It's a, it's a week three team for me. I'm certainly not willing to come in at plus 130 or plus 140 or 145, whatever it is, for them to win the division. So that's not going to get any of my money. It's really going to be an in-season thing with this Lions team. And it's going to be in-season looking after week three. Hope I mean, after week two, hoping that they're entering week three, oh, and two.
1: The last thing I'll say about the Lions is that we spent a lot of this podcast talking about futures for regular season results, like winning the division and win totals. And perhaps the Lions don't hit those ceilings in the regular season, but when we're talking about how wide open the NFC is to find a candidate to reach the Super Bowl, I don't see a scenario really unless there's like complete disaster with injuries where the the Eagles and the 49ers are not basically the top 2 teams in this conference in the market ratings maybe Cowboys number 3 for most of the season. So whoever's below them and doing well in the NFC, you're going to get a pretty decent price in the playoffs. And I'll just say that we saw that the Lions have a very high ceiling from week 10 on last year. Overall, this was an offense that was second and fourth overall in the entire NFL in EPA and success rate. So maybe the schedule Mm. is a little tougher for them to amass wins, but if they get into the tournament, so to speak, I do think they potentially have a ceiling here to to maybe surprise Mm. some people in a
0: conference that's a lot more open than the AFC. The other thing I do want to bring up is if we do think that 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 defenses are not going to have an answer for Amon Ross St. Brown. He is a big beneficiary of Jamison Williams having to miss the first six games of the season. His total right now is sitting at 999 and a half, which of course he just needs a thousand yard season. If he's going to play all 17 games. And again, we have to just, we can't, we're not, if we're ever betting an over, we can't bet, you know, assuming there's going to be injury. That's 59 yards a game. Um, If he's able to go 17 games. And again, there's likely to be some monster games in that four game stretch that we were talking about as well where it gets really really light for them in the, in uh in the Falcons, Packers, Panthers and Bucks like like we're likely to have some blow up games for for St. Brown in there as well. We're talking 120, 130, 140 yard games somewhere in there as well. So uh not a bet that I have in the account quite yet, but I'm trying to talk myself into getting there because The types of routes that he runs, they're just super high percentage throws. They're super high percentage routes, and I just, I want the targets, and if the targets come, then I'll deal with the fact that it's, you know, it's not 40 yards down the field. It's typically eight yards down the field. I'll take the targets, and I'll have him turn some of those eight into 25s, and some of those 20s into 40s and things, and uh, that's kind of where I'm at with, with him. I do think he's at least intriguing, so long as the suspension for Williams holds up and you know that's a whole different topic but hopefully cooler heads prevail and he doesn't have to sit out six games for placing a bet in a hotel on the road um but that again Don't that's get a me topic started. for yeah, yeah that's <laughs> a to- that's, that's a topic for another day but um if he is going to have to miss six games i think that that St. Brown prop is pretty interesting
1: yeah I, I 100% agree with you i hadn't looked at it yet but now that you mention it i i think that's priced closer to his floor than his his ceiling mm-hmm. he missed one game last year and had 1160 yards yeah. Uh, granted, Jamison Williams missed a lot of last season as well, uh, but that combined with the fact that I already mentioned, Jared Goff was dead last in air yards last year. yeah. So the scheme is looking for Amon Ross St. Brown as well, and he's going to get peppered with targets. So 146 targets last year, despite missing a game. Yep. I think I'm in on this too, man.
0: Yeah, really do. Really do like it a ton guys. This is a super interesting division. Uh, one that we will try very very hard to get a wrap on um, as we get a little bit closer. we While we're previewing these divisions one by one, before the season starts, we'll come in for one big final preview of everything. And if anything happens to drastically change, of course, we will update our thoughts there as well. So um, be sure, if you haven't already subscribed, go in, subscribe to the podcast feed, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Everything we do is absolutely free. So we do appreciate your support from that aspect and again you're getting a bunch of NFL stuff and we're coming at you from every single sport as well to keep you informed along the way and hopefully making some good bets as we head into the NFL season we'll be back with another division preview here soon for Steven I'm Matt good luck on all your NFL bets